Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at an impressive win for the Jets over the Oilers to vault Winnipeg into first in the Central. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. What a night of sports up in Canada. I mean, especially for people in the province of Manitoba, able to watch a massive Jets win over the Oilers. But I, I got to tell you what, I am still buzzing after Canada pulled off maybe the biggest win in men's soccer history. The Ice Deca was no match for Mexico as Canada earned a 2-1 win at Edmonton. And they now sit atop the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying table. I don't know if anybody would ever have thought this could have been possible 10, 15 years ago. But Canada is a soccer country and a damn good one at that, apparently. Still, I mean, still a lot of work to do. But it's just crazy that Canada, Canada has a legit shot to make the upcoming World Cup. So, still blown away by all of this. It was an absolutely outstanding game for Canada. A little hectic at the end there, but the boys found a way to get it done. That's all that matters. And only a handful of games left. And a couple more wins will actually see Canada through to the World Cup in Qatar this upcoming year. Qatar, Qatar, whatever it is. Um, but let's switch gears here or else we'll, we'll talk footy all night. I have no problem doing that. Let's get into the other big game of the night. A 5-2 Winnipeg Jets victory over the Edmonton Oilers. It was the first matchup between the two teams since last year's playoffs, which, if you did forget, was a Winnipeg Jets sweep over those damn Oilers. And let's be honest, it was more the same as Winnipeg picked up yet another W. So let's break it all down here and look first and foremost, that was the Winnipeg Jets' most impressive performance this season. Outside of that brief two-minute span in the third period where Edmonton made things a little bit tighter than it needed to be, the Winnipeg Jets pretty much dominated what has been one of the best teams in the NHL this season. I mean, right from the start to basically the finish, there was no doubt in that game who was the better team. I mean, hey, look, Edmonton's got a couple better players than anybody else on the planet right now. But as far as team goes, the Winnipeg Jets put forth the most complete effort 
I've seen out of them in some time, to be quite honest. You know, I tweeted this out after the game, and I've watched a decent amount of hockey throughout the start of the season, even with a, an 11-month-old at home. But to me, the Edmonton Oilers have been by far the fastest team in the league this year, having watched them play. And it's not just McDavid. That's obviously a big part of it. But their team as a whole has played really, really fast. This high-octane brand of hockey, and it's led to the most goals in the NHL so far this year. So when the Jets went up against the fastest team in the NHL, you know, I thought at the very least, Winnipeg matched them step for step. If anything, the Jets might have played a touch faster than the Oilers in this game. I, I mean, there was really, I don't know if there was a single thing that you could point to as, as a major negative on the night. The lone one, I, I guess you could say the penalty kill because they gave up the two power play goals in the third. But, but having said that, through the first 40 minutes, the penalty kill did a great job on one of the best power plays the league has ever seen, by the way. And it took a five on three and some good fortune for the Oilers to finally break through on that. But I mean, even outside of that, that's really picking minor details here and there. There was no doubt five on five. The Winnipeg Jets were the more complete dominant team in that game. And, and you know what? You couldn't say that even in the sweep of the Edmonton Oilers during the playoffs, you couldn't necessarily say that the Jets were the better team at even strength in that series because it took some pretty remarkable goaltending from Connor Hellebuck to keep the McDavid's and the dry Seidel's at bay. I thought this game was miles better than any game the Jets played against the Oilers in that four-game sweep. And you can pretty much go any phase of the ice in this one. I mean, defensively, the Jets were completely compact, very structured, very aggressive on top of it, too. There wasn't really a whole lot of, you know, open ice, lanes, avenues, dangerous scoring areas for the Edmonton Oilers to attack in this one. And that's because as a five-man unit, the Jets were extremely sound inside their own end. Which, yeah, we all know in Winnipeg, that has not been the case for a number of games over the past few years. Defensively, the Jets were great in this one. In the neutral zone, it was aggression all over the ice. I mean, there were a number of times that Edmonton was trying to get an attack going. And you'd see time and time again, a Winnipeg defenseman jump up into the neutral zone and put a quick stop to an Edmonton rush up the ice. The forwards did a great job as well, funneling the Oilers into areas where it was difficult to carry the puck in cleanly, forcing dumps in at the blue line and just trying to beat the Oilers to the puck and, and win some battles. I mean, again, the middle of the ice, which has been a problem against the Oilers in the past, was a major win for the Jets. And then into the fun zone, I thought Winnipeg generated more dangerous chances at even strength than the Edmonton Oilers did. And that's even with McDavid and Dreisaitl being on a line for the majority of the game, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Taking all that into consideration, I mean, even with the two goals against, that's about as flawless as I think you're going to see the Jets play this year. And the fun part, the really exciting part for me in that is, there's no reason why the Winnipeg Jets can't play like that night in, night out. There's going to be lulls and dips here and there, no doubt. But the formula for being a contending team is right there in the 60 minutes we saw on Tuesday night, right? Like, it, it is so repeatable for this team to do. And you didn't even need to lean on Connor Hellebuck all that much, although he did make some big saves in the third period to make sure things didn't get, you know, a little too crazy in the final couple of minutes. But 
I mean, you still have the trump card in Carter Hellebuck behind you if you don't play that well five on five. But I, I don't know if it's just the Oilers coming to town and the challenge of McDavid and Dreisaitl that brings out the best in the Jets, but they certainly have a heightened sense of structure, attention to details, and defensive responsibility when they play Edmonton. I think that's been evident in, what, the past five or six games against the Oilers that we've watched. There's no reason they can't replicate that moving forward against the Avalanche, the Lightning, the other top teams in the NHL. And, hey, if they play like that more often than not, you know, it might be time for a conversation to be had about the Winnipeg Jets belonging in that tier of those teams in the NHL. Maybe it's a bit too soon, but again, having said that, we're pretty much at American Thanksgiving, and the Winnipeg Jets do sit atop one of the four divisions in the NHL, just a point ahead of the Minnesota Wild, but first place is first place, and the way the Winnipeg Jets got there, they certainly, certainly earned that top spot in the division. Now it's up to the club to find a way to maintain that over the course of the next, you know, 60-some-odd games here. We'll get to the rest of the game in just a second, including, like I mentioned, why McDavid and Drysaddle being put on a line together was such a big win for the Jets and a few other big plays from members of the team in just a second here. But let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings who have some really great deals for you guys now that the NHL season is underway. One of those, and it's a huge one from an official sports betting partner of the NHL, but if you bet just $1 on any game, you win $100 in free bets, not if the team you pick wins, but if either team in that game scores one goal. That's it. It's super easy. And if you don't have Sportsbook available in your state just yet, remember DraftKings has big-time cash prizes all season long with their daily fantasy sports contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now to some of the finer details of that game against the Edmonton Oilers. Some players that stood out, some plays that stood out. I mean, if you're talking about players that stood out for Winnipeg, it's kind of becoming a recurring theme every time the Jets play the Oilers that we talk about Neil Pionk. I mean, the dude plays his best against the Edmonton Oilers. That That's when I see the best out of Neil Pionk. I, I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but I mean, he's always physical. I mean, the fact that he's five foot, what, 5'10", and leads the team or is right around the, the team lead in hits, that says a lot about the style of game that he likes to play. But I think he takes his physicality up another notch against Edmonton. I think he plays McDavid on the rush about as good as any defenseman in the league. Any defenseman. And he provides some offense as well for the club. I, I mean, he was really, really a standout player tonight. I, I thought this was maybe his best game of the season so far. And he didn't even get on the score sheet either. 
but he was a noticeable presence throughout the entire evening. And it's just interesting to see that time and time again, Neil Pionk kind of jumps off the page against the Oilers. And hey, you know what? He didn't get on the score sheet, but he did put McDavid in the box for two minutes, right? I mean, there was a little bit of frustration in that high hit there, but I think Neil Pionk maybe did get under the skin of Connor McDavid a little bit there. And hey, you'll, you'll take two minutes of 97 in the box any day of the week. So we got to give a big shout out to Neil Pionk, who maybe wasn't one of the three stars in the night, but to me was an unsung hero for the Winnipeg Jets in this game. The other unsung hero, maybe just a shade below Neil Pionk in this one, was Adam Lowry again. Again, a guy that I think plays his best against the Edmonton Oilers. And, and look, he may have scored the worst goal we'll see all season on maybe the worst goal Miko Koskinen's given up, and he's given up a few. <laughs> I mean, that was just an ugly, ugly shot. But at the end of the year, nobody remembers how they go in. They just remember how many. So, I mean, a, a great bounce, at least, for the Jets to get on the board. But again, a great job, similar to the vein of Neil Pionk, getting the stars on the Oilers frustrated. And we saw Leon Dreisaitl take a bit of a run at Adam Lowry. The stick is all crazy up in the air, and he clips Jansen Harkins. And Leon Dreisaitl's off to the box for four minutes, off the ice for four minutes, and the Jets are able to cash in. I mean, that's pretty much the dream scenario for, for a checking line center. You get the opposing teams, one of their best players off the ice for four minutes, and you pot one in on top of it. So a great job by Adam Lowry all throughout the night of doing what he does best, you know, being physical, being a pain in the ass, and then trying to chip it a little bit offensively as well. So there was another real impressive performance from somebody who wasn't one of the three stars on the night. And hey, why not, you know, if, if these guys don't make the three stars of the night, why not do our own little three unsun stars of the night? The final one goes to Jansen Harkin's face. Good job. Getting clipped by Leon Tricital's stick there. Didn't look like a whole lot, but he's able to get just a touch of blood. And that's four minutes in the NHL. So a great job by Jansen Harkin's face. Way to go. That's using your face on that one, buddy. Uh, but the supporting cast stepped up for the Jets. And then you had, you know, the usual suspects. Ehlers gets a goal. Again, maybe one that Koskinen would have would have liked to have stopped, but a nice shot by Nick Ehlers there. Shifley gets a nice redirection. Dubois continues his hot streak to the season. And then Kyle Connor grabs an empty net for good measure. So again, all around, just a really, really impressive performance from just about every single person on the Winnipeg Jets roster. You know, another interesting part just to that point is looking at the time on ice in this one. And Andrew Kopp leads the way by a fair margin, actually, because he played both power play and shorthanded. So he got a ton of special teams minutes. But if you look at the five on five distribution here, it was pretty even for, for a lot of the Jets here. And even the overall time on ice, after you look past Kopp's 22-24, Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers, Dubois, and Kyle Connor, all basically 19 and a half minutes. That is, as someone who has gotten on the time on ice distribution from Paul Maurice for, for quite a while, that is a beautiful sight to see. I mean, that is exactly how you want things to look, where you're basically just rolling those big guns one after the other. And you don't have to overtax these guys with 21, 22, 23 minutes a night, maybe the exception being Andrew Kopp if there's a lot of special teams time. But you get my point, right? And when I talk about this performance and how great the Jets played being repeatable, this is a long, long way of keeping that a reality. 
where you don't overtax your big guys. And 19 minutes, that's more than enough for all of them to handle. It's going to keep them fresh throughout the regular season. And it's still a challenge to deal with that if you're an opposing team. So just another positive on a long list of positives for the Jets in this game. Two other notes from the game. We'll, we'll get to the, the smaller one quicker before we touch on something that could have an impact on, on Thursday night's game as well. But the quick note was about the third goal of the night for the Jets. The power play marker with Leon Dreisaitl in the box. Four minutes for high sticking. And it was just a really interesting play all around. A couple moments that jumped out. And I thought it was worth breaking down a little bit more. So you have to rewind about five or six seconds before the puck ends up at the back of the net. But there's a loose puck that goes towards the corner. Duncan Keith is chasing it. Mark Shifley is a little bit behind him. And the first thing that jumped out to me, and you know, there was all this talk about Edmonton making the move, trading for Duncan Keith, I guess maybe not expecting the, the Norris level Duncan Keith, but still hoping to get a pretty damn good defenseman from Chicago, even though a lot of people thought his best days were behind him. And I'll tell you what, on that play, it did look like his best days were behind him because the Duncan Keith of even four or five years ago would have been able to have gotten that puck out. Right, it, It's a battle, it's a chase towards the puck in the corner. And Duncan Keith, who's normally one of the better skating blue liners in the league, just couldn't get to it quite quick enough. And so that's the first thing that jumped out to me there. But the reason he couldn't get to it quick enough is, hey, maybe he's lost a step or two. But Mark Shifley really worked his ass off on that play. I mean, he puts Keith in a tough situation. And if not for a tremendous forecheck by Mark Shifley there... The puck maybe does get out, or maybe the dangerous chance that results after that doesn't happen. But I, I was just really impressed with the amount of effort and drive Mark Shifley had in that brief moment in time. And then what happens is a ton of skill. And a few really great plays from the Winnipeg Jets to lead to the eventual goal. And, and one of those was an unbelievable pass, a really subtle one, but an unbelievable pass, I thought, from Nate Schmidt, who, again, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but the Jets, as much as they needed an injection of size and physicality and nasty, which Brendan Dillon has brought in spades and was great in the game against the Oilers, they needed a bit of skill added as well to the back end. And Nate Schmidt has brought that in a major, major way. And I thought he made a beautiful pass right on the tape of Josh Morrissey. And then Morrissey, who's been much, much better with the puck this year as well. Great recognition on that one. Finds Pierre-Luc Dubois for the tap-in. And hey, surprise, surprise, PLD is about five feet away from the goal line and he finds himself with another puck on his stick in a dangerous situation. We're getting kind of used to that one right now in Winnipeg. Would love to see the heat map on his goals. It can't be much more than five or six feet on average away from the net. But a beautiful passing play on that one to cap off what was a really, really strong shift by the Winnipeg Jets. And even though it happened on the power play, as opposed to 5-on-5, five five, where the Jets were so good throughout the game, I thought that really summed up just how well and how sharp the Jets were in this one, where everything went right, you force Edmonton into a mistake, and then you use your skill to make a beautiful play and set up a goal to really put the game into cruise control from that point on. Now, the other reason why that goal was so significant is what happened basically as a direct result of that. 
And I knew it would happen right after the goal, especially with, you know, Leon Dreisaitl spending four minutes in the penalty box and Connor McDavid spending three minutes on the bench. But we saw McDavid and Dreisaitl get put back together on a line, the supercharged line, you know, to try to turn the the tide, try to bring the momentum back into Edmonton's favor, and then maybe get a goal with, with those two pretty fresh after sitting for a decent amount of penalty kill time. I mean, that was no surprise, the, the shift after. But what really shocked me again was the insistence by Dave Tippett to continue to go to that well. McDavid and Dreisaitl on a line together. That remained for the remainder of the game. And I'll I'll tell you what. I would have loved to have seen a camera on the Jets bench. To see Paul Maurice's face. To see his coaching staff's face. And to see the player's face. When McDavid and Drysaddle were put back together again. Because I'll tell you what I think you would have seen. A little bit of a wry smile from Paul Maurice. And normally you wouldn't think that when you have right now the two best forwards on the planet being on the ice at the same time. But I'll tell you what. To me that feels like a panic move yet again from Dave Tippett. It didn't work at all in the series against the Jets last year. And I thought it hurt the Edmonton Oilers in their comeback attempt in this game. There's a reason that Pittsburgh very, very seldomly put Crosby and Malkin on the ice at the same time together. And that's because you're kind of mitigating the main advantage you have against every other team in the league. And that's for two out of, let's say, three shifts, you can have one of the two best players on the planet out there against the opposition. When you put both of those players on the same line, you're putting all your eggs into that basket. And I think you're kind of minimizing the returns of those two when you try to get them both on the same line because the other team knows all we have to do is survive those shifts and we're going to win the hockey game. We're going to have some matchups that we like when they're not on the ice together and we're going to take advantage of those. I, I just think it's a real panic move by Dave Tippett that early in the game to go to that time and time again. And big-time props for the Winnipeg Jets into four-seed Edmonton into trying to make that decision. I'll tell you what, as an Oiler fan, if I was one, which thankfully I'm not, but if I was, I would hate that decision. And it certainly didn't help the Oilers in this one, and I think it was a pretty big factor in, in, in the Jets finding a way to close down the last 15 minutes or so with that two-goal lead. We'll see if that happens in the rematch on Thursday night, but in my opinion... That would be a big, big win for the Jets. If McDavid and Dreisaitl are skating on the same line in pregame warm-ups, you know what? I, I think the Winnipeg Jets would be in the Edmonton Oilers' heads at that point. We'll see if it happens, or we'll see if Dave Tippett, in my opinion, goes the smart, pragmatic route and goes with what has Edmonton with one of the best records in the NHL to start off the season here. But it's just one of the storylines that we'll have to keep an eye out when we watch that game Thursday night and, and when the podcast returns for the next episode on Friday. Because that's going to do it for us here in this episode. But we're back at it on Friday, breaking down another Jets-Oilers matchup. We'll see if Winnipeg can make it, I guess, six straight wins against the Oilers going back to last season and continuing this trend. Something that I think a lot of us could get used to of seeing the Jets take it to the Oilers. It's no more smite division hockey. This is, you know, 2020s, baby. The Jets have got this in the bag, it looks like, against Edmonton. So we'll break down all the big ones in that matchup 
on Friday and then look ahead to the weekend ahead for the Jets as the homestand has now officially come to an end and the Jets will try to play some Road Warrior hockey upcoming. So again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. We're back on Friday, breaking down Jets versus Oilers Part 2. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.